Hello everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas. It's great to be able to join with you today on this day that is celebrated in Christendom. People put ashes on their heads. Uh, they get ready for uh, some measure of solemnity leading up to, of course, their honoring of the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. <clears throat> also, there are a lot of different quote-unquote revivals that are going on now, beginning at Asbury, Kentucky, at Asbury Seminary, and um, a number of other schools that are more Christian-aligned are saying that they are also going to have revival which again I'm not I'm just describing I'm just describing I'm not mocking I'm not downplaying I'm just describing um, which means that they'll sing songs worship songs and they'll repent which is great because any type of move in any relationship to God must begin with submitting yourself to him in some measure of repentance and repentance is not limited to you simply stating all of your confessions to the priest confession uh, repentance should be part of the fabric of who we are in that we submit ourselves to God and we die by our own volition to the things of this world. We make God our priority and that's, that should be built into the framework of everything that we do. Um, the famous Brownsville revival began with people and continued with people repenting. The thing then that separated Brownsville were the visitations of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit, which if you go back to the history of Kentucky, Asbury is very near to where the Cane Ridge Revival was, and there were a whole lot of manifestations of the Spirit that not only touched that outpouring, but also characterized what the early Methodists were, the early Wesleyans were in that area. My family were a part of that. And even into the 1800s, early 1900s, that Methodist tradition saw lots of different manifestations of the Spirit. Now the problem is, it comes with the people's idea of what revival really is. And the traditional American viewpoint was, it was almost like a reset, which was very similar to the Catholics in that they would sin and then they'd come and they would repent. They would, quote, get right with God and then usually, not always, but usually, they'd just go right back into their ways. It was more like washing. It was more like a shower, not to make it too lightly. And I'm not saying God couldn't do anything through that. Because any move of God has to begin with a grasp of the fact that the only thing that matters is Him. 
and we have to die to self. Paul died daily. Fasting is a, a token of that, our commitment to die to self so that we can become more sensitive to God and to move in Him. I remember with Brownsville, and I don't want to go too far with this, this is not our message of the day, but after a year or two of that ongoing visitation of the Spirit, there were many in Christendom who were okay with the traditional repent and then get about your business. They weren't too keen on the ongoing manifestations of the Spirit. And in fact, um, a very dear friend of mine who's since gone on to be with the Lord was sent by the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, let that sink in, to meet with a number of church leaders in a section of our nation. And those leaders were not at all keen on the visitation of the Spirit in Brownsville. In fact, they wanted to discredit Brownsville. I was part of a, I was at a general council where that was brought to the floor and it was shot down wisely. But just, you know, when, after my friend came back, I read an article that he had written and I called him and he, he said to me, this was a dear friend, he since died, so I pretty much have carte blanche to say what he said. And he didn't ask me to hold it to myself. He said, I was talking to these brethren who I had been sent to intervene with. And this is, these were his words. I'm not sure they're even born again. They were so anti God doing anything that was different than what they were comfortable with. And so the, the, the subject of revival is something we should all jump up and click our heels and say, yippee, yes, Lord, let people repent. But the real test then comes, are we willing then to submit ourselves to going further with God and not simply participating in the cycle of sinning and coming back to God and sinning and coming back to God and sinning and coming back to God or maybe not coming back to God sinning and repenting sinning and repenting sinning and repenting um, that is the big question and so it's very similar to what our message is as saints where we are sent into nations to make disciples we're sent to speak into the church about what God really says the church should be and how we should go further into the, the deeper things of the word to be more than just babies, to be more than just entry-level Christians. And so that, that reality is something that we face all the time. Now, I've been around a lot of manifestations. Uh, I've been a recipient of many of them, and it, it, it's, it's wonderful. And I also know that there are people who get drunk on, they, they become infatuated with experience. But you can't 
you can't judge the concept, the reality of God coming upon someone with the few people who misuse it any more than you can say that repentance is bad because there are people who just repent and then keep doing whatever they want to do. You see what I'm saying? There has to be a rational pursuit before the Lord where we recognize here is what here is what repentance is. Here is where it is in every part of the fabric of who we are in the Lord. Before God does anything, we need to come before him and say, God, cleanse me. David, so many classic passages. Search me, O God, know me. I'll see if there's any wicked way, and I will pursue you. Pursue you to do what? Whatever you want to do and ask God to bless it? God forbid to become what God has really asked us to be. And it's far more than what the entry-level church existence is, no matter how wonderful that may be. See, there should be an apologetic for this. And so I am totally blessed by the fact that in this nation of ours, and quite frankly, in the world, people, including many progressive churches, have been preaching that God doesn't expect anything of us. He's just full of love. He'll let us do anything we want to do. And and um, he doesn't want you to be shamed by your sin. Um, and that's a big catch word, too, shame. You see that everywhere. Um, but... The point is, is there a difference between guilt and conviction? God doesn't want you to live in guilt. He wants you to be convicted so you turn and become what he wants you to be. If you remove the idea or the very concept of being uh, convicted by some, by, in comparison to what God has asked you to be, then you, you're not really functioning in Christendom. You really aren't. You can say you're that. You can say you're a Christian, but that in many places is no more than a, than a social club. So, when people smear ashes on their head today, I bless them. The, the objective is not simply to say, which we all should, thank you Jesus for what you did for me. It's what you do from there. Will you take up the cross and follow where the Father leads you to go and to do what that cross represents, what it specifically says it is in the scripture, which is far more than I was ever taught growing up in the church and going to Bible college and seminary. But it's all right there in the word. But uh, if our doctrine and our tradition keep us from seeing that, because we just want to keep things constant. This is what we're used to. And we don't want to upset anybody or anything. We want to keep the tithe flowing. We want to keep this a, a place where people can come in and just offer to God whatever they want. Whether it costs them anything or not. And we, this is the way we've always done it. We're always going to keep doing it. Well, great. 
So, well, then you've just cut yourself out of any measure of creativity and inventiveness. And you've also become dead in sin. But be that as it may, uh, for those who in Lent, God bless you. For those who are in universities and many who... See, others will copycat that. They'll say, well, we can't just let those people of the Wesleyan tradition have that. We, well, we are who we are. We must repent too. <laughs> well, that's great. If you, if you have to be shamed into getting right with God, that's fine. Whatever floats the boat. But the issue is not just being like Delmar O'Donnell in, in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? who gets dipped in the, in the river, baptism, and says, Preacher said, you know, all of my sins are washed away. And when George Clooney said, well, that may count big with the preacher and God, but I'm sure the state has something else to say about whether you knocked over the Piggly Wiggly. The issue is not whether you are baptized. It's really what repentance is. What is repent? To turn, not to do a 360, as many would uh, erroneously say, because that's what mostly happens in the church. You do a, repent is a 360. You, you make a circle and you feel good about it, but you're right back where you started from. You do a 180. You turn and you go opposite what your ways are and you follow the Lord. So it's not just getting dipped in a pool, but it's going forward. And what really helped with um, that pronouncement of John was he recognized that Jesus had never sinned. John, Jesus comes and he says, okay, I want to show you what true vision in God is. So you baptize me. The essence of this is not just being cleansed from sin. It's whether you're going to go forward in righteousness, in vision, led by God. That's the big thing. That's the essence. So we come to our message of the day, finally. Yesterday, we were doing uh, Saints Radio, and Monica Terrell asked a question, or didn't ask a question, she, we were discussing. Um, something about the river that flows from the throne. And what does it mean for the nations to be healed? So let's look at that in Revelation 22. We want to talk about nations, and we want to talk about what our role is as saints. Revelation 22, verse 1. This is John writing. He showed me, and it's an angel showing, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. The trees, leaves of the tree, were for the healing of the nation. And there should be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants will serve him. That is a fascinating collection of words. What, what really is the curse there that's being healed? Now, well, this is with anathema, um, and that really means that these people were 
separated from God and from what he really wants from them. What they've been doing has been abominable in the sight of God. And this healing is to restore the throne of God and who the Lamb is, what he represents, and to establish this measure of servitude to the throne and to God. Um, so, that's what this river is for. It's not just to solve global warming or whatever that may be, or uh, <clears throat> clean up the mess at East Liverpool, not East Liverpool, East Palestine, Ohio. And um, I incidentally, I did check with uh, Candace and Gary in East Liverpool, and they seem to be doing well. We rejoice in that. They're north of there, so the river doesn't flow that way. In Ohio does flow north out of Pittsburgh, but then by the time it comes into Ohio, it starts going south. Just a, just a geographical lesson there. So what does this mean, the healing of the nations? Let's first talk about... Oh, I just have to say, too, that if John had written this today, he would have been tossed out of just about every church. Why? Because even though this is the Word of God, coming from John the Beloved, um, there's not a whole lot that's here that can be established by lots of Scripture. I mean, you see a river... There is a river. You've got Ezekiel describing it, but Ezekiel would have been regarded as a nut, too, by most churches. Um, that's just, that's just a, an add-on. Before we talk about therapia, which is what healing is, uh, let's talk about the nations. This word here, for, translated as nations, is ethnos. And there, in the New Testament, there are three basic characterizations of people. There's ethnos, there's genos, and there's phule. And we're not going to talk much about phule, P-H-U-L-E, in the transliteration. That really is tribes, separate, selective groups uh, within a, a geographical place. You know, like you talk about the tribes in the Amazon or the tribes in India, which are up there in those remote cobra-infested forests. Um, a subset, a group within a recognized nation or a recognized ethnos. So we're not going to talk much about Fule. Now why is this important? Well, do you want to understand the scripture or not? Is your mind shut off because this isn't promising how to get what you want in the next three minutes? Let's look at this. This is prayer and Bible study Wednesday, okay? So, I was looking into this and I was reading a, a paper by a... I uh, can't imagine anybody writing a paper on this, but uh, a Greek scholar, a young lady, this was somewhat of a dissertation she was writing, the difference between ethnos and genos, which I thought was very interesting. She was not writing from a Christian perspective or from a, um, 
certainly not from a saintly perspective. She said, it's like the difference between house and home. This is the only thing some of you remember when I go through this. Ethnos is the house. Genos is the home. I thought that was very interesting. But let's look a little bit differently. Let's look at this in some other ways, okay? Um, Jesus says in Matthew 28 that he was sending his disciples, verses 19 and 20, to make disciples of or within all nations. Ethnos. So, ethnos is really uh, a gathering of people with, here's a direct quote from this paper, which I thought was great, with a common culture or common customs, which is why you have ethnic food. And uh, you got to dispel any wokeness or cultural appropriation concerns here because ethnic foods are of all different colors and varieties throughout the world. You know, you have Thai food, you have um, German food, you have Mexican food, you have barbecue, you have, um, it's funny because when I moved down here to Texas, um, I won't go into all of the tales, but I was talking to one of my friends, my best friend in college, um, who was a pastor and was a presbyter, he didn't really understand what I meant by barbecue. Because barbecue for him was just something you put on the grill. Well, for people in Tennessee or Kentucky or Texas, barbecue means something much different. In Australia, shrimp on the barbie means you just put some shrimp on the grill. But barbecue, as you well know, is a, a food group, as it were. And it's, it's an ethnic in this display, but it has more to do with food, it's customs. You know, you, you go into France, there are things you do and things you don't do. I don't know as much as I should, even after being immersed in that culture with very dear friends that are really my family. Um, you know, I, I, I love sitting with Luke and Sylvie and joking and laughing with them about different different ideologies and different things. We talk about things that go on here in Texas and I talk about things that go on in France and we just laugh and have the greatest time. There are differences in ethnos. And it doesn't just mean national borders because in the New Testament, Genos is used to describe where a person is from, like Barnabas in Acts 4.36. He was class, he was specifically spoken of as being a Levite, but a Genos of Cyprus. Hmm, isn't that something? So he's specifically saying that the island nation from which he was born and originated was a genos for him. Um, you you have the the woman whose daughter, she was a Syrophoenician, was possessed. She came to Jesus over in in uh, at the coast of Tyre. 
And the Bible says specifically that her genos identified where she was living. Let's take it another place, Matthew 13, 47, um, when it's talking about the fish that were collected. Fish of every genos. Well, they were all fish. They were, they were all fish. I don't know what all kinds they were. But the, the, the distinctions within that characteristic of a fish were different. And that was classified as a genos. We'll come back to genos here in a moment. Because I know where some of you are thinking it's diversities of tongues. We'll come back to that. So ethnos doesn't just mean the color of skin. As much as uh, our ideologies today where we grapple over that. You know, if, if Americans would actually leave the country once and just open their eyes, they'd see that the constructs of what really makes a person unique in their skin color should not be dictated by what happened in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, and even in the 1900s. You go into Brazil, color does not matter. You go into South Africa, which we, we were, and there, post-apartheid, I was considered a colored person. Anybody who wasn't black was called colored by the indigenous peoples. Isn't that weird? I'm just colored folk. I could belong to the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People if I lived in South Africa. So you, you go into France, Man, it is multicultural, but what the French people don't want to happen is for that idea of being French is lost. They don't want that to happen, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, why would you want to go into France and not know whether you're in Morocco or Algeria or some sub-Saharan country? You go there to enjoy the French culture, don't you? It has nothing to do with the color of skin, even though people would like to say, yes, it does. America is a culture. And it's baloney to say that it's white supremacist. It's capitalism. It is what dominated the world for a hundred, couple of hundred years now. And, and if you want to start doing away with that mentality and become a nation that, um, from which so many people are flooding across our southern border to get away from, it has nothing to do with the color of skin. And ethnos really is common culture and customs, really what makes that nation what it is. And that is that is um, the ideologies, the thoughts of the people is very different. It's very different. I mean, I, I could go down the trail here. Some of you have already shut me off, so I'll just keep talking. You know, that's one of the benefits for being able to travel the world and be with lots of people with lots of different skin colors but beyond that, lots of different cultural ideologies. 
you know, I was raised here in the United States in a fundamentalist viewpoint. I was raised that you don't ever drink any alcohol. You just don't, which came out of the prohibition movement. And arguably, there were lots of people who were drug addicts then. I would say today, you shouldn't take cocaine, you shouldn't take federal, you shouldn't take any of those things because it will destroy your life. Does that mean that I don't take a prescription if it's prescribed for me? Sometimes I don't when I read what's in it. And I say, I, you know, I respect the doctor, but I'm not taking this stuff. One time I was taking something that was supposed to help um, with a particular part of my body and it, and it started to affect my eyes. I stopped taking it. I, I'm not taking this anymore. So, but when we traveled then to France and other parts of the world, we recognized that if we didn't sit down at a table and, and enjoy wine at that table, in some ways that was insulting. And those Christians over there made great sport of those that came from our country who they called Coca-Cola American wine. Now, I'm not here to say we're setting up a wine shop. I know that, I know that argument. Um, you try to explain away Jesus' first miracle. And it's ridiculous the lengths that people go to try to say that Jesus made Welch's grape juice. That's crazy. It, it, if you just are honest with yourself and put away the party line, you would know that the keeper of the feast to marvel at how good that wine was, was saying, man, this is a vintage. If it had been grape juice, they would have known it and they would have said it. But the point is that you, you recognize that not everybody thinks the same way you do. You know, like when you go to Brazil, we love the folks there. They are, they are the army of the Lord for the end time. I'm grateful for that. But they think differently than we do. White people think differently than we do. Um, and But down there, color lines are blurred. And I'm grateful for that. I am. But, you know, to me, I think this is what we should do. If we say we're having a meeting now, this is what we're going to do. You want to plan for the meeting? Well, you have to have this, this, this in motion because from experience, I know that if you don't have it, when the meeting comes, it's going to rise up and bite you. When we have ministry times, this is what we need to do. That's not white supremacy. That's not American. That's just pneumatica's understanding of what should happen. And so we say to those pastors, I know this is what you've been used to doing, but when we come, this is what has to happen. And it's because we want what God has sent to function properly. And we've seen that without these things that we're suggesting and really demanding to be, the ministry is going to be hindered. Oh, and they could say, oh, but we've never done it that way before. Well, have you heard that ever in your life? 
Yeah, and God doesn't care about whether you've never done it that way before. <laughs> he says, take your shoes off before me. You're on holy ground. Where you've walked and how you've walked makes no difference than to me. It's the sole of your foot that I'm going to use to bring conquering and dominion and establishing the kingdom. Right? So ethnos, when Jesus says make disciples, make disciples, not just generate converts or slap a name on the building. I was in an African nation, the nation of um, Benin, and I'm not going to, again, speak of a particular movement, but there it was on the siege, the headquarters of this movement that was established as a Pentecostal entity. And I asked about those folks. We weren't going to minister there. Did the Lord open another door among other Pentecostal, uh, among Pentecostal people? And my host pastor, who was well known in that city and nation, said, I'm a dear friend of the leader of that moment movement. I said, well, how are they doing? He said, well, they're fine. They're, they, they have a lot, a lot of people, but the leader of the movement is concerned that his people won't speak in tongues and don't speak in tongues. And I said, well, isn't that what they're founded on? And I, of course, I knew it was. And he said, yes. So are you really making disciples if you go into a nation and you don't teach them and train them to welcome what it is that you're sent there to speak. The jury's out on that. So if you're making disciples among ethnos, you are <clears throat> going <clears throat> into a place where different cultures and different customs are observed, regardless of the color of skin. As I've said earlier, ethnic food is not one color or another. It's not cultural appropriation to go with my brother Robert Fulton into Harlem and have some soul food. Right? So, when Jesus says, go into these nations and make disciples, he's saying, you're going to encounter a lot of cultures. You're going to encounter a lot of common ideologies. And that's really what he's saying. It's more about you're going to face people who believe a lot of different things. But you've got to present God's way. And you, you've got to really present my way, Jesus' way. And you've got to make disciples of them. You've got to train them regardless of their common culture and customs. You don't want to obliterate that. You don't want to do away with it. You don't want to missionary them. You want to make disciples wherever you're going into. Enjoy the culture. What did Paul the Apostle say? When I'm in Rome, I become as the Romans. Hmm. But when you go around a brother who's got a stumbling block, you be careful that you don't do things that cause him to stumble. Now you said, well, wouldn't that be those when you talk about drinking wine or you talk, no, that's not really what he's talking about. Otherwise, Paul's being a hypocrite. They, you know, there are ways that a pastor, if he's really smart, will do things to lead his people into things that 
they probably don't want to do. And if you're wise, you can do that. I did that for many years. Some people say I'm too political. Um, why don't you just tell them what people used to say? Stop apologizing. And I thought, I'm preaching things that nobody's ever heard before. How am I apologizing? You know, for some people's idea of preaching, it's get in your face and tell them what for. Well, that's great if you, if you want to really alienate people. Um, sometimes you have to do that. But if it was just an open sin... But Paul said, when I'm in Rome, I'm, I, I become as the Romans, that everybody can find the Lord. What do you think he did with the Romans? You just think about that. I'm not going to speculate, but I know it wasn't what First Church down the road does. Well, a progressive First Church may be doing just about anything because there's no shame. Um, so, but, but I know, and that's, see, that was the problem here at our church, because we had been operating as the general church. We had been functioning, doing things, adding new things, doing things differently, um, uh, and, and, but we were doing it so that we could lead a congregation into the new. When God visited and his spirit began to move, and we saw it in the word, <clears throat> then all the politics went out the window, and boy, did it hit the fan then. So you can't just say, well, I don't want to do that. It may offend my brother. Stumbling block is a stumbling block. And you've got to be careful about the stumbling block because Jesus said that the cornerstone he is the cornerstone of God's building, and for the Jews, that was a stumbling block. So you got to be careful your interpretation of what a stumbling block really is. I would say this. If you come into an area and there's a pastor who feels very strongly at initially that you, we've not really done this, my, my people are really probably going to be averse to this. Well, you don't just go in there kicking it and taking names. You find another way to introduce what God really wants. And for, to the effect then that they will eventually see for themselves that they should become what God is saying in his word. Do you see that? So... Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. And if you come back then to what this river of life is, that should establish um, the removal of things that are anathema with God, which is what the curse is there. Look it up for yourself. Establishing the rule of the throne of God and what Jesus, the Lamb, came to establish at that throne. And then you be servants, you become doulos or bondsmen who will serve, who will do whatever the priestly ministry requires. That's what this river is supposed to bring. But it is rivers for the healing therapia 
of the nations. And there is our word ethnos. So really, this river from the Temple of the Tabernacle of Testimony is sent to establish the rule and the function of the throne of God, to bring people away from things that are repulsive to God and to begin to serve God as the Lamb who is at the right hand of the throne with the little book in his hand wants to happen. We commit ourselves as bondmen to that and we serve as priests there. That's what this river is supposed to do. Do you see that? Am I making things up? No, I'm just reading the word. Well, we've never heard it that way before. Well, maybe it's time you should, because this is the scripture. So, the healing of the nations, the ethnos, is what we've been talking about for the past 20 minutes. See there? Aren't you glad you paid attention? Didn't shut me down now just because I was preaching real good? Well, you go into cultures. You go with different cultures and customs. You make disciples there. This river will help that. What is healing? Therapeia. You don't just give them a dose of something so that they can leap up off the couch and do what they want to do. You show them, you therapy them, you show them how they're supposed to function. You show them what they should do so that they can be healthy and well. That's what therapy is. And believe me, I know what this means. I'm thankful for the therapy sessions. Not psychological. <laughs> the physical therapy sessions that helped me to see what I needed to do to strengthen my back so that it would function, not in the way that Ronnie had become accustomed to, because what Ronnie had become accustomed to was kind of a lethargic stance, and then your back starts crying out. It hurts. Why? Because it's not functioning the way it should. So therapy taught me how I should function, and religiously, I do it every day. Haven't done it this morning. I prayed and fasted this morning, and studied and skedaddled over here to the booth. I will do my therapy. It's not bondage. It's just what I should do. It's what my back was called to do, to strengthen to do. Now, again, what's the difference between therapy and um, the, the measure of grace remedies? What's the difference between that and remedies? Well, God comes in the other way and brings remedy. Sometimes that's a miraculous touch, something's gone wrong, and no amount of therapy will fix that. Something's out of place, maybe you are partaking of something that's damaging and a word of grace comes and says don't do that anymore. It's like the guy who went to the doctor, some of you already know the joke. And the doctor said, and the guy says, Doc, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, Well, don't do that. Sometimes you need to be told, Don't do that anymore. Don't ingest this. You know, doctor, no matter what to do, I, I can't seem to lose any weight. Well, tell me what you eat and drink. Well, every day I have about 15 Dr. Peppers. Grace Remedy would say, Stop drinking that. Oh, but this is what my daddy did and my grandpa did, and it's just the way I was raised. 
Really? Well, that's the way your teeth are going to rot out. You'll have Mountain Dew teeth, uh, and that's the way you're going to probably develop too much fat in your body, and the sugar is going to do a number on a number of your systems, and uh, you may develop diabetes. Oh. So, grace remedies, Eomea, is a different type of healing, but we need that too. But to get back to point, this river of life says that we go into the ethnos regardless of... You know, you go into some places. Our brother uh, Faladin was a member of a particular tribe in Nigeria, and that tribe wasn't limited to Nigeria. That tribe extended into other geographical lines of nations. So, you're going to find people groups, cultures, um, ways of thinking. And this river goes to those for the purpose of restoring what God really wants for people. It doesn't eliminate. Now, if part of your culture is to, is to drink barrels of beer and become sloshed, then you, you, need to, you need to adjust that because you shouldn't, that's not good for you or for anybody else. In Pittsburgh, where I grew up, we had lots of Eastern Europeans and lots of Germans and lots of Swiss. And we had those polka songs that spoke about beer. Even the, the, the Steelers fight song, which comes out of, uh, well, the Pennsylvania polka comes out of Roll Out the Barrel. <laughs> barrel of what? <laughs> Maybe that part of your culture you need to restrict a little bit, or a lot. Be not drunk with wine. Be not drunk with beer. And in fairness, in a lot of parts of the world, you can't drink the water. It's just bad. Maybe you should prophesy and get the waters healed, but some of those people drank wine and beer because mead because if you drank the water, you'd die. You'd get cholera. You'd get dysentery. It's just true. Why don't we just remove the shackles from us? We don't want to sin that grace may abound. Do all things with moderation. Well, don't do everything with moderation. Well, you know, I only robbed one bank today. That's with moderation. So, go into all ethnos and make disciples. Um, this river is for the therapy of the nations and there will be no more karanathema. There won't be this abominable behavior that keeps people from God. You're brought to the throne of God. I'm just reading verse 3. And to the Lamb which is in it, He's in the throne and he's in this place at the right hand showing us what that little book says we're supposed to be before the Father and we serve that as devoted dying to self people and we serve it also, there's two different types of serves here, as almost in a priestly duty. We recognize this is coming from God. I'm going to do what he says. And they, who? These people will see his face. Hallelujah. We've been talking about his presence. His name is in their foreheads. 
this is wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, I love it. Makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Huh. Well, we could keep going. Just read the rest of that. I mean, it just goes on. But from that standpoint of what this river actually does, where does the river begin? Well, it doesn't just start there in paradise. It starts at the temple. Read Ezekiel sometime. Now, let's talk about Genos. Let's talk about Genos. This, as I said, means in New Testament here, identifying specific nations that people are in. I mentioned Barnabas being from Cyprus. I mentioned the Syrophoenician woman of being of that Genos. The Bible says this. Um... We talked about the fish, that all they were all fish that were caught. They were different genos, different varieties of fish. Um, it's a, it really is something that is made to function in a certain way. Let's read in First Peter two verse nine. You can sing it if you want to. You are a chosen generation. What is that? An eclectos genos. We have been made by God to function in the world, but not of the world. As an eclectos, as an ecclesia, a church called out once. That is our genos. That is our unique God-ordained variety in this world. I would also say that the saints personify that. We're a royal priesthood. We, we serve in a priestly way the king, which might be what we just saw there in Revelation 22, isn't it? A holy ethnos, a hagias, Ethnos. Now here we are with the saints. We are saints from every different culture, from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. When we go into different cultures, we preach this saintly calling. But in all of it, we personify this chosen genos which is really what God wants his people to be the essence of who God created them to be the genesis of what God originally wanted throughout his creation of human beings they, we are a peculiar people and that's the people there is from Laos uh, you know, which just means the people in Asian cultures, which is a country called Laos. But you're peculiar. So when you're amongst the people of the world, you're going to stand out. You were created to be something special in God, in the way you function 
and it's going to look different it's going to feel different but yet you're there so we are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation you sing that right what's it mean your genos is what god originally intended for us before adam and eve were made and god envisioned this that we would be one with him um and then the eclectos the called out ones the ecclesia as it were is god's representative on earth to represent that identity that is a rare group it, 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 it arguably it's different than just being made a disciple you can be made a disciple hear me learn things pattern things and not enter into this believe you me as the old preacher said i know that i know that in my own life you know that with all the mnemonicus understandings we have been blessed to receive from the word that i can do those things and recognize I'm busy doing the work of the Lord, but my identity as a genos before the Lord has not really been pinging recently. I'm just confessing on Lent Day here. So you've got to work at listening to be called out when God says, you're my called out ones. you got to listen he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit within is saying to the ecclesia. You've, you've got you've to listen and follow that. I hope we're doing that. Which is why when we pray in genos lelia, diversities of tongues, that grace gift, stick with me now, Pneumonicus people, we're praying that what God intended from the foundation of the world or before the foundation would be done. That grace would keep moving the people of God forward. You know, one of the nice things about the Brownsville revival or any revival is that <clears throat> the aftermath of that really did see a change, not in the whole church, but in Christendom. I pray that this measure of repentance or whatever it is this revival currently represents will lead to a true visitation of the Spirit of God and then that the, the called out ones would actually come out from the church and be what they're supposed to be in this new season. That's what we've been praying for now as we kneel before the Lord, isn't it? the Barak, that we would be commissioned and empowered for what is coming. That's what we're believing for. But our prayer in diversities of tongues is essential because it addresses the genos. The genos can find its place in the midst of the true disciples who are different than those that are simply in 
the 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 group that the Bible describes as those who love the Lord. You can love the Lord and not become a disciple. Right? Disciples are made, not born. I'm tossing out a lot of words here, but these are biblical words. And if we really want to understand the scripture, we got to know them. Otherwise, how are you going to know? You know, if I, if I go, sometimes when I go into France, I understand because of my exposure there, um, I understand certain things that are said. But sometimes they'll say a word, and I don't know really what it means. I know what it means in my language, just like even the manifestation of the Spirit. For us here in America, that means God coming upon us and doing something that is noticeable, but it's it really is a spiritual dynamic. I've recognized that in France, manifestation means to demonstrate. The same thing as in Brazil. One time, uh, Pastor Anna was saying that her husband, Pastor Luciano, was down in the center of town manifesting. <laughs> I thought, well, what does that mean? Is he laying on the ground and flopping like a fish of the SpongeBob him? No, he was, he was, he was in a political rally, standing up for somebody that was running for president. That was manifestation. Yeah, it was showing forth, but it had really nothing to do with the spirit. So you have to understand the meaning of a word. You can't just read, oh, manifestation. Well, that means they're a political rally. For us over here, it means. Boy, the Spirit came on them, and I just couldn't believe what they were doing. God really got a hold of them, because I know them well enough to know that they wouldn't do that on their own. They wouldn't allow themselves. So if you want to read the Scripture, and you want to read, there's a river of life, or you want to read about, there is a river, what's that river designed to do from the Temple of the Tabernacle? It's supposed to flow and teach people of all common cultures and customs what it means to really function as somebody at the throne of God where the Lamb is, where you're supposed to be sold out and dead to this world, and you are ministering as a royal priesthood. That's it. It's to therapia the ethnos. In our country, ethnic means one thing, white or black or Latinos, or Latinx, which I understand our Latin folks don't really like. You should ask, won't you ask somebody what they want to be called before you slap a name on them? Um, that's a different story completely. But it doesn't really mean cultural appropriation. For us, it means we are called to make disciples among people groups. And we are called to speak about, you know, you see all those fish over there? There's different aspects, different characteristics within those different fish. They're all fish, but some of them are this genos, some of them are that genos. We are a chosen genos, a genos that is intent upon representing what the throne wants. And the saints, hagios ethnos, a holy nation, is that no matter where we find those common cultures, we're planting saints. Say it again. Our essence is to pray in Genos Lelia. 
We are part of the ecclesia called out to do that so that what God wanted from the foundation of the world would be known. That is a really unique and specialized prayer uh, agenda. And God wants intercessors for that. And you're going to be probably way ahead of the curve. And all of your buddies at the big churches with the music and everything else, they may look at you like you're a knucklehead and you may pine to go and be there. Well, go on ahead then. Because that's holding back people who say, I, am, I know what God has called me to be. I know the gift he gave me. I'm going to believe for him to see things that are going to happen way down the road. But the seed begins now. The seed of hope begins now. And I'm going to travail till that happens. And hopefully when we go into these different ethnos, we are establishing disciples and saints there. But this genos, of which you and I, in the bathos of God, are called to be, we pray in grace capacities of languages to empower those things from the beginning. And I'll say, wait a second, Pastor Ron, didn't you say that the saints are devoted to what restoring what God wanted from the beginning? Yes, and it is a work. It is a work. And to me, that's why that really is what distinguishes in the seven spirits why it's the Holy Spirit which is necessary. It's powerful from the spirit of glory and of God. <clears throat> Are you hearing me? Because you can be a saint and you reverence the glory of God. But do you really want to go into the depths of who God is to hear what God is going to do and looking for people who will pray in these languages and really commit themselves to welcome a new era in God? Or do you just want to do the saintly things, which are necessary? It takes all kinds. But I, I see here in 1 Peter 2, 9, uh, an eclectos genos and a hagios ethnos. And that stands out to me. Are there some that are devoted more toward the essence of being a genos eclectos? Yeah. Otherwise, just rip this verse out. The beauty of it for us is that we can be all of it. We can be both, and we can have a propensity for one or the other, but we're going into the nations to make disciples in the power of the river of God, to therapeia them so that they will know that there's a throne, know what goes on at the right hand of throne, die to self to serve, and to be a priestly function there. We make disciples in those places. We establish the saintly calling there, but in the midst of that, the thing that led us into all of that, hear me, was diversities of tongues. Where we prayed about being a people devoted to what God wanted from the foundation of the world. Yes, the saints devote themselves to that. But everything begins with a voice. And that voice is genoslalia. Well, I've gone past time today. 
Happy Lent Day. Um, I know my twins are happy to be in the Baptist church so they don't have ashes smeared on their face today. They're in a Baptist school. Next year, get ready for the ashes. Um, I bless everybody. I, I'm not mocking anybody. It's just a pneumaticos person from the basis of the scripture should be able to recognize these things and not be hoodwinked into you know, just believing things because everybody else says you should believe them. I believe what the Word says, and the Word describes all this stuff. Hopefully we've described it. So we bless the revivals that are happening. But I speak into Asbury, and I bless how God's using that. If you want to really deal with the different revivals that have happened there, let's go all the way back to when the Methodists first established you. When there was repentance, but there was also such a visitation of the Spirit after the impact of the Moravians upon Wesley, where the things that my grandfather described that he saw happen in the generation before him, which would have been the late 1800s, where people were, he saw people dance in the Spirit off of the stage and dance in midair. They, the, the holy rollers were originated from there. Now, some people just like the roll, but when the Spirit gets a hold of you, that's the tradition of God moving. That was the pioneer tradition. And yeah, it, it turned into things that were barbaric. And from that then, idiots, and I use that term very specifically, became snake handlers up in the mountains. That's ridiculous. You take a scriptural truth and you twist it. Yes, Kenneth Hagin say laying empty hands on empty heads. Um, let's get back to the basics. So I pray that this revival of repentance will then open the door to God leading these people off the treadmill of sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, but actually turn to become something more in God than just simply sitting in a church and not doing this and not doing that. Holiness is not just not doing things. Holiness, saintliness, is seeking after the things that God wants done. Be ye holy as I am holy. The angels don't just exist to say, holy, 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 so we don't uh, kill people or any other number of sins. The angels want what God wants from the foundation of the world, and that genos lelia is what's been given to you and me, saints, so let's not, let's not miss that. So let's go over it one more time. I'm way past time anyway. I'll be done here in a minute. The river that flows from the temple of the tabernacle of testimony moves out and it brings us into a place where ethnos, cultures, different um, customs, which in many ways are beautiful to God. It depicts his creativity. It's not one is better than another. It's, it's wonderful. It's like a cornucopia of beautiful things, many different flowers in a garden depicting the histemis of the lands. 
we see that river teach people in those places or make possible the healing of those nations, which would then say, all right, if you've got trees that bear different fruits, why are these people in this part of the world demonstrating these beautiful things that are endemic to them? Could it be that the original intent was for those those places to grow up as a tree of righteousness to bear fruit to the Lord that's different than other orchards? Probably. So those leaves are seed-bearing and nutritive, nutritive and nutritive and, and that it would be what those cultures need to bear forth what God created them to be from the foundation of the world. Jesus says, go and make disciples there. Peter says, in those ethnos, raise up saints. But he also says other things which we've talked about. Isn't this beautiful? I love it when the word of the Lord comes alive for us. Um, and I, I pray that at this unique time where the saints are on their knees fasting this week, praying, asking God for what he wants to do next and submitting ourselves there. And when we've been talking about this river moving forth from the throne, this is what it's about. I almost didn't teach on this today because I thought, you know, I know we're going to revisit this in our seminar. But some of you are so perplexed by all the things that I said, you could probably benefit from hearing it again. We'll see. But between now and then, what else God brings to us? These are not some wacky thing off in a corner. God is revealing them to us now. It's all from the scripture. Search the scripture. See whether it be of God. I will always do that. Why not? The word will never pass away. Let's, let's be ready. So let's fast this week. Let's pray this week. Let's be ready for what God's going to ask for us next week and the week following. And guess what, folks? The week after that, seminar time. Praise God. How wonderful. God bless you all. And um, may you have a wonderful day. And may God help us all to please him and to serve him.